0: comes down to this. The one thing. So the year was 1998 and my favorite movie of all time came out. Now, uh, I love this genre of, of film. It is one of my favorite things. And I don't really know why. I've talked to a lot of people about it and I don't really know why it is my favorite, but I'm just fascinated by the whole, just the whole thing. Um, it, it was a, a film set in World War II. And I just love this style of movie. It's, it's fascinating to me, just the way life was back in the day. And so the favorite movie, my favorite movie of all time comes out and there's a problem See, that movie is rated R, and I'm not 17. So, what's a kid to do? So I finally work up enough courage, and I ask mom and dad. Now, again, this might not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me. You have to understand, um, growing up, you have to understand how it was in my family. See, uh, my dad was an elder at our church. Served a lot and frequently. And um, he was also a policeman. He served at LA, LA County Sheriff's Department for 38 years. He texted me after this first service. He's like, No, no, get it right, man. Not 35 years, 38 <laughs> years. And then retired. My mom worked part time in our church in the graphics department. So my family, um, we followed the rules. And some of you, you're like psychoanalyzing me right now. You're like, that explains it. There it is. That's what we were missing. Okay, it makes sense now. And so uh, I finally got the courage. And y- you know, as a kid, when you ask your parents, and you're pretty sure you already know what the answer is, but you know, you shoot for the stars anyways. And so I was like, hey, I would really like to see this. I love this whole idea, the genre, all the things. Can I, can I see this movie? And to my surprise, they said yes. And I did one of those double takes of like, What? Like, I didn't fully believe it, you know? And they said, yes, go for it. And so I went with the movies with my friends, and we saw it, and um, it was incredible. It was incredible. It is still today one of my favorite movies. Now, here's a problem that came up as a result of seeing this movie, and it has nothing to do with the movie, but it has everything to do with all the other movies. See, this movie was rated R, and I asked mom and dad, and they said yes. So then I thought, well... It's going to go across the whole span of R-rated movies. So I was like, hey, mom and dad, can I go see this one? And they're like, no, like a hard no, 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 no. no. You can't see that. Well, what about this R movie? No, we don't do that. But dad, you let me see this one. Well, we're not going to let you see this one. And unbeknownst to me, there was a filter or a standard or like an internal grid that my parents were using to make informed decisions And what I didn't know as someone who was under 17 at that moment is they and I were having a relationship in what is known as the gray area. How many of you are familiar with the gray area? The gray area. We all have gray areas in our lives. Every aspect of our life. I had someone after the first service tell me, you know what's funny in the gray area? I think it's permissible to go over the speed limit by five miles an hour. But I judge people that go six miles an hour over the speed limit. And it's funny? This is yeah, this is going to be great right here. And then like that one mile, like, oh, they are the, they're the downfall of society. Those people <laughs> that go six miles over the speed limit. And I thought, well, it does say speed limit and you go over it, it. That that's a black and white thing. And they're like, no, 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 no. You have to keep up with the flow of traffic. You do accidents, dangers, you know, it's a whole thing. And I went, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. But gray areas, what do you do? We all have gray areas. In every aspect of our life, I promise you there's a gray area. And here's what makes church people very uncomfortable. We're sitting in church or you're screaming church. Here's what makes um, a handful of church people uncomfortable. We have gray areas in the church. And what do you do when the Bible isn't crystal clear on a topic? What do you do with areas in the Bible that are not clear? In other words, they're a gray area. And some of you are like, no, no, no. The Bible is black and white. It is crystal clear. And um, this is gonna be a growing experience for you this morning. (laughs) Because here's what I know about us in gray areas. I'm perfectly fine dictating um, what is appropriate and inappropriate in my own gray areas. And I'd rather prefer doing the same thing for you in your gray areas. But don't you ever tell me what is right and wrong in my gray area. Are you with me? Like we do this and we're just, we're so flawed as human beings, but we all do this. Now, here's what I want to do to help us all kind of get on the same page. I want to walk us through some of the gray areas I experienced growing up in the church and hopefully they will resonate with some of you. So uh, here we go. Let's just go for it. Here's kind of the first one. Great areas in life. Drinking alcohol. Some people are like, go for it. It's not that big of a deal. After all, the sin is drunkenness. And other people are like, alcohol was not a blessing to our family. Just look at the wreckage in our past. Our family tree is radically destroyed because of alcohol. Alcohol is sinful. Stay away from it. And other people are like, it's never been an issue. It's been perfectly fine. Like, what do you do when someone has a toast? Do you, you just... what? It's a gray area, it's a little bit complicated. This next one over here, Republican and Democrat, what do you do, can you even follow Jesus if you're like an independent, a third party? Is there even such a thing? Are there Christians that do this? If you're a Christian, you all know that you have to be part of this party and it's a gray area because there are people that love Jesus that are not part of the big two, they're in other parties oh my goodness, are they really following Jesus? I don't know. We should ask them. We have gray areas. But wait, there's more. Worship music. Remember back in the day when God's standard uh, or his favorite instrument was the pipe organ? Do you remember this? Everyone knew that this is the holy instrument. And then there had to be like a town hall meeting. All the elders and deacons got together and said, can the piano accompany the pipe organ? And we had to vote and it was a big thing. And we decided, yes, the piano can. But hell half froze over when we introduced drums into the worship service. because we all know that Satan's method of choice is to use the drums as his sacred tool to destroy the church and really destroy our youth. I mean, that, that was it. And then you have a, a, an electric guitar and things get crazy. Can we even, what if we have a DJ one Sunday and he's up here on, on the ones and twos and scratching records? Like, can we do that? Will that glorify God? I don't know. We need to have a town hall meeting and we have to work through all of these things. We only sing hymns unless we sing the other songs but we can't sing the other songs in this service. So we're gonna start a brand new service for new people with different songs that we're don't singing. It gets weird, doesn't it? One group is like, yeah, new songs and drums. And the other group is like, oh no, not in my church. What do you do? The list keeps going. Again, these are things I experienced growing up. Movies and movie theaters. It used to be, if you went to church, you could only see the G rated movies. And then we got, well, intelligent and we realized, oh no, the same movie theaters that are playing G movies are playing R-rated movies. That's it. Movies are off the table. No one is ever going to the movie theaters and watching things. Plus, if you went there and bought snacks, you're being a bad steward of the resources God gave you because they're very expensive. (laughs) The markup. So then if you wanted to be a good steward, you had to steal and like sneak in things. And that felt, do you know what I mean? It felt like you were stealing, but but you justified it. So I I don't know. What do you do? Apologies to the people in Southern California that owned Regal and AMC movies when I stole things. Please forgive me. I didn't know Jesus. Uh, Movies and movie theaters. And then dances. We can't do dances because we all know what dancing leads to. Except they never told me what it actually leads to. (laughs) They just said, we all know what it leads to. And let's think about that. If every time someone danced, it led to what we know it leads to. That's just not true. Like every time, that's just not true. Animated cartoons. We were totally cool with it. We loved the Smurfs until we saw Papa Smurf do some witchcraft. And then we went, no, we can't fly. And then we thought, well, let's see if they get a little bit more wholesome. Looney Tunes, I guess we were okay. A little violent, but we're kind of okay with that. Simpsons came on the scene and we said, no way, no way. You can't do it. And now it's on Disney Plus and we stream it in our homes. Okay, interesting. Animated cartoons, get them off. You can't do it. Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. Some of you are like, yes to one of those and no to the other ones. Some of you are like, well, you can read the books, but you can't watch the movies. (laughs) I don't know what to do. What do we do? Are there other fantasy like genre things that we can and can't do? I don't, what if it's by a Christian author? Can we do that? It's the word, I don't know what to do, but wait, there's more. Keep going. Netflix, you cannot watch Netflix because the filth that is on Netflix, all you're gonna do, you're gonna click, click on something and stumble in and you're gonna see some stuff that is graphic. Can't do it. All we're gonna watch is Disney because it's for the children and it's good. Except I read one blog article one time that says Disney supports certain things. So now no Netflix, no Disney Plus, only wholesome sports. Until I realized that Disney owns ESPN and ABC. So no TV again, no cartoon sports, nothing. Throw your TVs out. We We can't mow the lawn on Sundays, only Monday through Saturday. Cause it's, what if you work on Sunday? It's not your Sabbath, you're working on Sunday well, come on, Lyndon, like this is your law. Like this is (laughs) like right here. This is what it is. We have Xmas or Christmas. And then some people are like, dude, they're taking Christ out of Christmas. You can't do it. And then another branch of Christians are like, no, 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 no. The first letter X, it's the first letter in Christ. It's Greek. It's Christos. It's just shorthand for Christ. We're doing Christmas. And you're like, Well, I don't know, which one can we do? And some of you, you're like, they're taking the Christ out of Christmas, can't do it. And then I just told you that X represents the first letter in the name of Christ and it's Christos. And you're like, oh, now I have no idea what to celebrate. (laughs) I guess we can. I don't know. Maybe when I'm with my parents, I'll say Christmas, but if I write a card to a lot of people, I'll shorthand and go, X- I don't know what to do. And then dress codes, these are my favorite ones. Dress codes are fun because if you're gonna wear short sleeves, the strap has to be an inch and a half. It can't be an inch and three quarters or half an inch. That's too short, too narrow. You need to have it longer. Pants need to be a certain length. They need to not be short because then you have long shorts that are jeans or short jeans that are shorts you know what don't wear jeans no one can wear jeans you can wear jeans if there's holes but uh, only if there's not a lot of holes if there's a little holes (laughs) next week everyone gets a a a potato sack and you just sandwich boards and potato sacks okay keep going i had a really growing up was really fun for me music and media we'll just pass you get that um Bands that are made up of Christians, but aren't Christian bands. Can we listen to them? Can we support them? I I don't know. What do we do? Swear words. This is a swear word. You never say a swear word unless you're in Linden because it's not a bad word. It's just something you step in. (laughs) So that's appropriate. Except oddly enough, they won't allow that word to be used on public radio. So so uh, I don't know what to do with that. Halloween, we all know it's the devil's holiday. We will never do anything with it, except I dressed up as Iron Man or Superman and hung out with my neighbors and got candy from my neighbors. We never worship Satan, I promise you. We didn't, we just said, like trick or treat. And they're like, take one. And we went, okay. Remember the bowls? We did some sinning on Halloween. Remember the bowls? And they would have, they're just full of candy. And they had the sign that said, please take one. And we're like one scoop. And we just dumped it all in and went to the next house. So you did it too, okay, great. Listen, I gotta catch my breath. There's a lot in there. What do you do with areas in life where the Bible isn't clear? Where one group of society or one group of the church of Christians will say, absolutely not, not in our church, this is sin. And by the way, sin is a very big deal. Christ went to the cross to die for our sins. Sin is a massively important deal. And what do you do with the other side that goes, that, this isn't an issue, it's not, we're not worshiping Satan, we're meeting our neighbors and the kids are laughing and we're getting candy. There, there's nothing evil about this. Or, or this song has really positive lyrics. And I know, I know they're not a, a Christian band, but this song is not sinful. This coffee company makes good coffee. I'm not trying to, what, what do we do with the gray areas? What do we do also, by the way, when we disagree on those gray areas? What do we do in that situation? And that's what we're going to look at today in our passage. So if you have a Bible, go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I, I want to set the scene because this is so important. We, we show the sermon bumper every week and it talks about the one thing. The one thing is unity. And very quickly in gray areas of life, it, will, it can destroy our unity. We can be, become separated on this. So I want to set the scene. Uh, there's a guy named Tim. He grew up in Corinth. And uh, he always thought it was a little ridiculous because there's a God for everything. So his family would go fishing on the weekends. And before they went, they had to give sacrifices to the sea gods, to the fish gods, and then to the weather gods because they wanted good weather. Then they had to give a sacrifice to the forest God because they wanted their boat made out of wood to float and not sink. So they had to do that. And then when they got back on land, they had to give sacrifices to the land God because they didn't want the land to just you know open up and they would fall perpetually into the sea and die. They didn't want that. Then they had to give a sacrifice to the fire God so that they could cook the fish that they caught. And this is just let alone every other aspect of life that has a God. This is what it's like growing up in Corinth. He thinks this is ridiculous. So one day, someone invites him to church. He goes to church, he finds Jesus. Radically changes his life. He's leaving the Tuesday night Bible study and across the street, he sees the temple. And that temple, they're having a sacrifice and there's a lot of meat. And anywhere you go in Corinth and there's a temple with a lot of meat, there's always a taco truck next to it, (laughs) cooking up the leftovers. It's Taco Tuesday, and they're running a special on pork tacos. Tim goes, I'm hungry. It's been a long Bible study. Let's go get some food. Goes over there. It's cheap. It doesn't cost a whole lot of money. It's really good meat. Sits down there, and he's eating, loving life, enjoying the wonderful food. Now, there's a guy named Alex. Alex had a different experience. Alex grew up sacrificing to all these idols. These, it's just wood, marble, stone statues. That, there's gods everywhere. And he grew up and his family was like, you have to do the sacrifices. Bum, boom, 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 boom. Do all of these things. Otherwise these gods will be angry at you. Alex, you, excuse me. <clears throat> Alex, fast forward into his life. Fast forward into Alex's life and he comes to know Jesus as well. He steps across or he walks outside of the same Tuesday night Bible study, looks across the street and he sees them eating those tacos. He goes, are you kidding me? Those are tacos sacrificed to an unknown God. Basically any other God, but Jesus. Jesus is the one true God. You're sacrificing to all these other gods that you're bringing evil spirits into your life, on your food, into your community, into the church that you just walked out of. Come on, what are you doing? And so this bruised inside of him. And so he waits till Thursday because he's got small group. it was one of those typical small groups where the questions were okay, but no one really wanted to go and tell the person that writes the questions to make better questions so they could have quick discussions. (laughs) I'm the guy who writes those questions in case you're wondering, (laughs) it's fine. Uh, So they do all this and they they run through the questions so fast because it's a summer break and they get there and they say, all right, prayer requests, what's going on in your life? What do we need to do? And Alex says, you know what? Um, I've got a prayer request. We need to pray for Tim. After Tuesday night Bible study, I saw Tim go across the street to that temple Yeah, that temple over there and just eat tacos. In fact, he was buying tacos, not just for him, but for everybody else. Tim, what are you doing? How could you do this? What are you doing? And Tim's sitting here going, well, the meat, it's cheap. It tastes really good. There's nothing behind it. These are just statues made of wood and stone. I mean, come on, there's nothing there. It's a good deal. What's wrong with it? And Alex goes, what do you mean what's wrong with it? Could you not see that they're worshiping other gods and we only worship Jesus? What do we do? And he's like, it's not that big of a deal. They're going, it's a massive deal. And back and forth and back and forth. And so the Corinthian church writes a letter to Paul and says, Paul, help us out. What do we do in moments like this? This is the scene. Now, I I have to set it up this way because I'm willing to bet uh, none of of us in here struggle with eating food sacrificed, eating tacos sacrificed to like a a foreign God. One person online, I got you. (laughs) Email me, we'll talk. But we do uh, do struggle with all these other areas that are gray, don't we? Relationships have been broken because of these. So how do we address it? What do we do? 1 Corinthians chapter eight. Paul says this, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Verse four, so then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know, there's that word again, circle, highlight, underline that word, Know. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, lowercase g, whether in heaven or in earth, as indeed there are many gods, again, lowercase g, and many lords. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificed food, they think it is having, or they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Verse 8, and I think this is key. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, again, knowledge of of one God, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Yeah. Verse 11. So this weak brother or sister for for, for whom Christ died, excuse me, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. I wanna give you some notes and then we'll get very practical. So number one in your notes, love is more important than my knowledge and rights. Love for one another is more important than my knowledge and my rights. In other words, he's saying, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because it's good for you does not mean it will be good for someone else. And if that's the case, you should not do the thing that you have every right to do. In other words, he's saying, treat other people better than yourself. He writes another letter and you can read it later. But in Philippians chapter two, verse three, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So how we treat people is more important than getting our own way. Getting our own way at the expense of someone else is what's known as selfishness. And Paul goes, nope, love trumps that. It is more important to love than to live in the freedom of your knowledge and your rights. Number two in your notes, our freedom has boundaries, two specific boundaries. Number one, God's commands. And number two, love for others. Don't go outside those two boundaries. I'm a visual guy, so I wanna show you what this looks like visually. Here's your freedom in Christ. He died for it so that you and I could have it. He says, don't go outside this boundary right here. God's commands. Don't do it. Don't do it. Watch whatever movie you want. But if it causes you to lust after another human being, guess what? You went outside God's commands because God does not want us lusting after other people. Especially if we're married, by the way, it is not loving. You violated two things. One, you're lusting and you're not loving your spouse because you're lusting after someone else. Where the Bible is very clear on things, don't go outside that boundary. And... Sure, we have freedom to do it, but if it causes us not to love someone, if it causes us to hurt someone, guess what? We don't do it. See, it's not their fault and they just have to get over it. It's us lifting them up and saying, just because I have knowledge and the freedom to do this, I'm not gonna do it at your expense because I love you. And that is more important than getting my own way. So what Paul's saying, he's saying, here's your freedom, enjoy, go for it. Have a drink with friends, go watch a movie, go play, have a lot of fun. But if doing those things is gonna cause you to sin, you're not doing it. If doing those things is gonna cause you to hurt other people, guess what? We're not doing it. Why? Because when we do those things, we sin against God and we hurt other people. Jesus summed it up this way. He said, the greatest command is this, to love God. And the second is just like it. Love people. Love people. That's it. That's what you do. Those are the two boundaries right there. We have all the freedom in the world when we stay right there. Now this has everything to do with us privately and our own lives and the decisions that we make personally, and maybe with our family. What do you do when you're with a group of people, a group of Christians? Cause it gets a little bit more complicated when you bring community into it. I put it this way in your notes, who's in the crowd and how do we treat each other? Who's in the crowd and how do we treat each other? Cause that's the million dollar question. So in your notes, number one, the strong Christian Christian, They're in the crowd. The strong Christian. I want to be very clear. I said strong Christian, not better Christian. I'll be very clear. Strong Christian, not a better Christian. In fact, the strong Christian knows that they're not better than other people because they have sin. Their sin may be different, but nonetheless, they have sin. Okay, the strong Christian. Christian. In other words, they're gonna say, okay, I'm not, if I'm the strong Christian, I'm well aware of the freedoms I have and I'm going to live in them. The strong Christian also knows, if there's a weaker one, I'm not going to live in that freedom. Why? Because I love you and I don't want to hurt you. Number two, the weaker Christian, weaker Christians, weaker, weaker Christians. These are people that are in danger of falling away from Jesus, meaning no longer believing him or falling into um, a perpetual sin or a sin of addiction. This is what Paul is saying is the weaker Christian. And so the weaker Christian must set up personal boundaries. You need to have self-awareness. If drinking is an issue for you and it's gonna cause you to overdrink and to get drunk and to go down that that lifestyle, you need to set up boundaries and say, I'm not going to bars. I'm just not doing it. So when people go after work and they say, hey, let's go get a drink. Let's go have happy hour. As the weaker Christian, you need to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna sit this one out guys. And specifically if you're doing it with Christians and there's a stronger Christian where it's not an issue, they'll go, hey, how come you don't want to join us? And they'll say, well, actually, it's, you know, it hasn't been a blessing to our family. It's caused a lot of damage and I, I, I'm addicted to it. The stronger Christian will go, oh, great, let's go somewhere else. They're not gonna make you feel ashamed. They're not gonna embarrass you. They understand, why? Because they love you. And as the weaker Christian, you have to have the trust and the maturity to look at someone else and say, you know what? I'm human, I have some pitfalls here and going here and doing this, this is gonna cause me to stumble. So the stronger Christian goes, because I love you and because I love Jesus, let's go somewhere else. It is a beverage. That's all. It, if, if, uh, man, if I can't hang out with you because I'm more committed to a beverage than you as a human being, there is a problem. And it is probably my perspective that is the big, big problem. So if you're the weaker brother, and I know this is hard, if you're the weaker brother, the weaker sister, you, you have to share because we do not know. And if you're embarrassed by that, don't be, because you may be weak in one area, but you're probably strong in another area. And that stronger Christian, the same thing is true. Number three in your notes. Uh, The third type of person that's always there in the crowd is the professional weaker Christian. And Kurt and I had a great conversation about this. And Kurt, I love you, and I respect you tremendously, which is why I will tread lightly. Um... (laughs) I can't stand these people. <laughs> That's me trading lightly. Um, these people arrogantly control other people. They say things like, God's will for me in this area is God's will for you in this area. See, I have an issue with drinking, so that means every single Christian throughout history cannot have a sip of alcohol because it's sinful and it's going to cause people to stumble. And there's other people that are like, I, I, actually, it's, it's not an issue. And you're like, no, it is an issue. You just don't know it's an issue. And you're like, no, like I'm a full-grown adult. That's not an issue for me. See, the professional Christian looks at everything. Take whatever you want. You can't watch those types of movies because it causes me to lust. Therefore, every Christian in the history of Christendom cannot watch those movies. You cannot read those magazines. You cannot do those things. You cannot hang out with those people. You cannot dress that way. And that is the law for everybody else. And I'm sorry, that's not biblical, That is a man-made rule or a woman-made rule. Just because it trips you up and it is sin for you does not necessarily mean that it's going to lead someone else to sin. It might not be their issue. And here's why I'm very passionate about this. Jesus Christ died to give us freedom. We dare not shrink and little his freedom that he has given us. This is a big deal. I'm also convinced of this. When people are looking at Christians, they're not so much asking, is Jesus true? I think they're more asking, do I have to live like you do in order to follow Jesus? And the professional weaker Christian has incredibly high standards and looks down at other people who do not meet those standards. And the person who does not know Jesus, but knows they need hope, will never step foot into church because they think they have to clean up their lives and fit these standards before they step foot in the building or stream us online. And I'm sorry, that's not true. This is a hospital for broken people of which I am proudly a member of. My name is Steve, I'm in need of a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And I don't want man or woman made rules to keep people away from knowing Jesus and participating in the community. This is a very very big deal. And I think there's two appropriate responses when we run into people like this, a little bit of teaching and a little bit of rebuking. Let me say it this way. Um, Paul addressed Peter. He rebuked Peter because Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles and he was eating the pork tacos and it was great. Then when the Jews came around, Peter would go and hang out with the Jews and he would be kosher. And he'd look at the Gentiles and go, you can't eat the pork tacos. That's sinful. And Paul's like, Peter, this is hypocritical, my man. It's hypocritical. It's one thing for you to just eat pork tacos when you're with Gentiles and not eat it when you're with the Jews, but for you to flip-flop and say one is good and one is sinful, that's hypocritical. Jesus would go, and you can read about all these in the gospels, but he would go around and there was a group called the Pharisees that were constantly just nitpicking at him, specifically on things on the Sabbath. Jesus would go and heal someone on the Sabbath and the Pharisees would get all bent out of shape because they go, you worked on the Sabbath. That required effort. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is going, I healed someone that no one else has been able to take care of for years. And I came by and healed this guy and gave them a brand new life. And you're mad at me because I quote unquote worked? By the way, it was no effort at all, because I'm God. Let's table that discussion. (laughs) This is a big deal, to the point where he got so upset. He looked at the Pharisees and said, you with all your man-made rules where you prop yourself up and you look down at everybody else because you think you're spiritually more mature. He says, you guys are like whitewashed tombs, meaning you look great on the inside or on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of death. There is no life in you, but go ahead and play by your rules that you can't even keep. This is a massively big deal. And I'm treading as lightly as I can. We, people that live this way, listen, people that live this way, they condemn other Christians because they don't have the self-control and willpower that they do. And you keep people who desperately need Jesus far away because when they come into your presence, they don't feel love. They don't feel grace. They don't feel mercy. They feel condemned. And we cannot lead that way. Non-Christians, we should not be surprised that they live and act like non-Christians. Once they become Christ followers, let's go and help them grow in their faith. And part of that is righteous and holy living, but that is a process. It has been in your life. It has been in my life. It still is in our life. It is, we have to understand this. That was as light as I could go. This is so important. This is so important. Otherwise we become a country club. We all think the same. We all act the same. We, we, We don't reach people. We celebrated baptisms. Do you know what happens when we become the country club? We stop baptizing people because it's just us. And once we've baptized all of us and we've never seen a new person in, it's just us. This is a big deal. This is how churches die, is they keep people away because they put rules that are so high, they can't be achieved. Okay, I'm done, number four. I promise I'm done, I promise I'm done. Number four, the theoretical weaker Christian These are the people where where you're hanging out and they say, well, if we do this, it'll upset them. If we we say this thing, they'll think, and I always want to ask, who is the they? Do you know what I mean? Like theoretically, you can't go out to this restaurant because, you know, they might be there and and they're going to struggle with this. You can't see that movie because they might be there. And I'm like, who are they? So here's my advice. Here's my advice. Focus on the, the real people that are there not the hypothetical ones get to know the real brothers and sisters in Christ that that you're communicating with that you're living in community with that you have relationships with get to know them and we'll discover if we should go to the restaurant if we should watch the movie if we should go out and grab some drinks it'll help give us the proper perspective but if we're constantly looking going ah they might be here they might think something who are they? and I wonder if they actually aren't even there to begin with I don't know Here's a quick warning for us, two extremes to avoid. You have to avoid the extreme legalism on one side and then the extreme freedom on the other side. You have to live in the middle, right? We could get too far and say, you know, legalism and just go crazy with it. And then you could get over here and go, well, Christ forgave me for the sin, so I can live like hell. It's like, no, that's, that's not at all how it goes. Not one bit, actually. Um, that seems more like an abuse of God's grace than it is thank you for your grace. So that's not right either. Somewhere in there is the sweet spot, is the middle ground. But this isn't something that you can just lay a policy on. This is relationship, this is conversation. And we're gonna get this wrong. And we're also gonna get it right and a little bit of both throughout um, our time together. So we have to be gracious with people. Now, I promised I'm done. We're gonna bring the band up and I, I, I wanna close with this. So band, come on up. Um, here's, here's why this matters. Here's why this matters. There was a band. <laughs> my man, my man. Joel, I love you, dude. Yeah. So good. Here's why this matters. Listen to what Paul did with his freedom. He says this in First Corinthians chapter 9, the next one over. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law though I'm not free from God's law but am under christ's law so as to win those not having the law verse 22 to the weak I became weak to win the weak I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings Paul saying you want to know what, what I do with my freedom I I submit it to other people. I put other people above me because I want them to know the gospel. I want to win them for Christ. This is so important to me. This is so incredibly important to me. My wife, uh, when we were living back in San Diego, worked for a company. She oversaw operations for all of the um, offices in the San Diego region. And so every year we had the office Christmas party. And it's fascinating because every year as she's meeting with people and people leave and get hired and all that stuff, you're always reintroducing yourself. And inevitably, when the Christmas party comes, the question is, are your spouses gonna show up? So she says, yes. And then people always wanna know, what's your husband do? Thinking like he's in finance or working in the same business, some insurance thing or whatever. And she says, oh, he's a pastor. And immediately, immediately they put me in this category. They've never met me, but they place me in this category. Or, oh, Steve, you must be one of those people. And so what I do with my freedom, when I show up to the Christmas party, I make a beeline to the bar and I order a beer. And I talk to one of her coworkers because he knows that I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor and he's put me in this category and he sees me with a beer and he has no idea what to do. No idea. Cause I thought you were one of those. And I'm sitting here saying, no. And the first thing I do after I order the beer and I talk to someone, I'm like, okay, establish common ground immediately. And you know what we talk about? More often than not, it's the beer in his hand. And we talk about beer, because I want him to know I'm a normal person. I'm not so far away up on this self-righteous ladder where I'm looking down at him, condemning him for all the sin in his life, because he kind of already feels that way. What I'm trying to do as a pastor is hang out with someone and use my freedom and become all things to all people so that I might win some for Jesus. There's a man that's in the back of the service or someone watching online and you have no hope and you need to have a beer with someone. I would love to have a beer with you and introduce you to Jesus. There are other people... There are other people that there's no way we would ever have a beer because it's a stumbling block. I want coffee or tea or, or fruit punch. I don't, you need Jesus. I can introduce you to Jesus. Friends, we need to not be so concerned with what other Christians are gonna think with us and be more concerned about leading people who do not know Jesus to Jesus. This is a big, big deal. We have to stop playing church games. We have to look at one another and say, man, This is a freedom for me, but I understand this might be difficult for you. So when we're together, we're not gonna do this. But when I go to my wife's Christmas party, I'm going to get a beer and I'm gonna hang out with that gentleman because that gentleman knows he needs Jesus. I have neighbors that love Halloween. I'm okay with it. They love Halloween and they live like they love Halloween. So you know what we do on Halloween? We dress our kids up as superheroes and we dress up like superheroes and we run into them in the neighborhood and we say hi and we give them hugs and we go door to door and we get candy from other neighbors in our neighborhood and we laugh and we have a really good time because they know that I'm a pastor and they put me in this box and I'm sitting over here saying, following Jesus has nothing to do with this box you put me in but everything to do with knowing Jesus and the freedom he gives. I want to introduce people to Jesus. I want to introduce people to Jesus and I want to live in the freedom that he's given me, and I want them to live in the same freedom. So Father God, would you help us? Be the type of people that are consistent wherever we are. For people that struggle in certain areas, Lord, help us to just reserve our freedom and say, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. I will meet you where you're at. Father, for people that have grown up in a religious and a legalistic system where they've just been guilted and oppressed and felt so embarrassed and shameful for things that are not sin, I pray, Lord, that they would experience your love and that there would be a community that would surround them with love. Father, may this church continue to be and continue to do all the things short of sin so that we can win as many people as possible to Jesus. We pray this in his name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close by singing one last song.